Greg Ostertag on the Jazz's best teams of the 90s and what he's up to now. I'm J.P. Chunga. This is Round Ball Roundup on the Utah Jazz Podcast Network, presented by First Colony Mortgage, the official mortgage lender of the Utah Jazz, and MLS number 3112, equal housing lender. Are the Jazz ever going to lose again? People are asking. Six straight games. Best record in the NBA since December 21st. They've gone 130 in back-to-back-to-back games for the first time in franchise history, according to ESPN Stats and Info. They're doing things nobody envisioned, nobody thought, nobody figured that they could do this season, especially with how it started. Think about the transformation. Lose by 50 in Dallas. Beat the Mavericks by 37 at home. They've been the NBA's best team since December 21st. And Will Hardy has engineered this team and gotten somebody to play unlike they've ever played before. And the way that this transformation has occurred, you can view through the Colin Sexton lens. I'm running out of ways to praise Colin. Last show, show before, his pace. He's done a professional job since getting into the starting lineup and not relinquishing that starter spot. He's done it under control, and he's worked. I remember when he was on the podcast, and I was talking to him about his health, how he had injuries towards the end of last season. He wanted to be in that Laker game in that last week, and he played, and he saw it as a harbinger for next season. His body feeling the best that it's ever felt so far, and I know a lot of people say that when they are in the offseason, but Colin, along with Ochai, is the only player to play in every single game this season. It's the longest stretch of his career since like his first or second year. 42 straight. 42 straight. He's doing the Colin things. He did them in the offseason. Wake up at 5 a.m., workout. And it's paid off. So betting on him as a worker has paid dividends for the Jazz. I want you to hear what Will Hardy said about his relationship with Colin because it's pivotal to understanding the turnaround. Colin's had way more of an impact on me than he would think. Um... I've learned a lot coaching Colin. You know, I think he's uh, he's one of the most endearing players I've ever been around because of his effort every day and his attitude every day. I think um, there was a lot of narrative about Colin when he was first traded here as somebody who scored a lot in Cleveland but wasn't on winning teams, um, only thought about scoring, blah, 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 whatever it is. And I think that... Um, you know, that probably seeped into my head a little bit last year. Uh, it would be like taking somebody on a date but calling their ex first. I'm not sure why you would ever do that, but that's the world we live in. Like, everybody comes with a narrative. And I think that, like, I needed to look in the mirror in the off season and have a little bit of humility about mine and Colin's relationship and just try to take it at face value. I needed to take Colin at face value and just go, hey, whatever happened before he got to Utah is means nothing to me. 
And how has he been with me every day? How has he been with our team every day? And he's always done everything that I've asked. He's never complained. He has never come to my office and asked for more playing time. He has never asked for more shots. He's never um, questioned what we were doing. He just continues to work every day. He takes coaching. He lets me coach him very hard. Um, you know, there have been moments in last season that were caught on camera where people see Colin and I getting into it. And um, there's no anger behind that. That's us trying to solve problems and get on the same page and for him to understand what I'm asking him to do. And, you know, this off season for me was about kind of resetting myself as it relates to Colin um, and trying to just put him in the best possible situation to succeed. It doesn't mean that Colin doesn't drive me crazy at times. Um, he does, and he knows that. And I'm sure that I drive him crazy, too. Um, but we've recently had a conversation where I've told him, like, I'm not going to stop being a pain in the ass. That's my job. And I need to try to continue to help him get better. And I think this season we've seen Colin get better from the beginning of this season to now. Some of that is conversations he and I have had. A lot of that is the work that he's doing with Evan Brads and our assistant coaches. Um, and it's Colin, like he's bought into what we're trying to do and he's gotten better. So, you know, I've learned a lot about coaching through dealing with Colin um, because I think he was somebody that really came in with a lot of narrative around the type of player that he is. And I probably let that impact me too much last year. But, um, you know, he's somebody that has shown me that like you don't you don't need to listen to any of that at all you need to just take people at face value for how they are when they get here and what they do when they're with our team um and he's a big reason why we're playing well right now he's uh his energy's infectious on both ends of the floor um he's a heck of a player and we're lucky to have him the coaching is hard rage timeouts in the fourth quarter Against San Antonio, they're up double digits, and Colin Sexton doesn't close out to Devin Vassell. Timeout. What are we doing? What are you doing? I thought we knew about this. And he responds, yeah, yeah, it's my bad. I did forget. That's on me. Colin knows he messed up. The team knows when they mess up. Up at halftime against the Nuggets. Think about two nights before when they're in Milwaukee. They have a loose third quarter, a really bad third quarter, that lets the Bucks back in the game. So what happens? Hardy goes in at half. Locker room's already talking about what they need to do to maintain the level of play. And that's it. Like they, They're holding each other accountable. The standard's high right now. And this team trying to avoid slippage. Five stars, nice reviews. That's all I ask of you. Let others know that you're listening to the podcast, Greg Ostertag, Double Zero, one of the great personalities in jazz history. Talks about his great performance in Game 6, 97 Finals. You may know it as the game with the shot. He knows it as one of his finest performances. And he's going to talk about his tattoos, what he's up to now. Here it is, Greg Ostertag on Round Ball Roundup.
your years as a jazz man. Yeah. As you reflect on being drafted by this team, mm-hmm. coming out of Kansas, what do you think? Uh, Brian and I were doing a little thing earlier today, and, and I told the, 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 the fans that were there that we were talking to, I could not have been drafted by a, a better team as far as fitting the way I played basketball. Uh, the guys I played with, you know, we were a half-court offense for the most part. Um, you know, obviously we'd run fast breaks when we, we could, but, uh, uh, you know, growing up in Dallas, I wanted to be drafted by the Mavericks. It was my dream. Uh, it didn't happen, but it's fine, but it all worked out well. I, I ended up in the best place I could possibly end up as far as playing in the NBA because, like I said, the, the, the way that Jazz played at that time suited the way I was able to – my game. I was a half-court guy, come down, set screens, rock shots, rebounds, so forth, you know, put balls back. So that's – it was great. I was – it was – it's it was a – a dream come true to be able to play in the NBA. It was just, you know, you grow up, you watch these guys on TV, you get to see all these guys, you know, Showtime with the Lakers, Bird, Magic, you know, Kareem. And then as you get a little older, you see the, the other guys, Jordan and Pippen – not Pippen, well, Pippen, but Jordan and uh, – Elijah Juan and Ewing and you dream of playing against those guys and then one day it's all reality and it's just it's just a little kid's dream to be able to do something like that and not many people get to do it and I was fortunate enough to be able to to, uh, to be able to get into that role and, and have that have that chance and you were kind of used to being in a place where this is the thing this is the basketball team Lawrence, Kansas. Yeah. I'm sure it's the very same with that men's basketball. It is because you know KU is the is is uh, is the pinnacle of college basketball, yep. right there with UNC and in Kentucky. They're they're the three main names you think of most of the time when you talk about college basketball. Uh, so I was fortunate enough to be able to go to University of Kansas and play under Roy Williams for four years, and be an elite team for four straight years. You know we went to the Final Four my sophomore year. And lost the eventual national champs in North Carolina, and and uh, it put me in a position, uh, being at KU, to be in the spotlight a lot uh, at that at that uh, yeah. school. To uh, I think it helped me put me in a position to be able to play in the NBA, mm-hmm. playing under Roy Williams, um, being a seven foot two you know defensive guy that at the time the Jazz needed so. I'm sure you can hide on campus. Nobody's going to be like. No, yeah, you kind of stand out, but I stand out everywhere I go. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I've been I've I've been this tall since I was a sophomore in high school. That's insane. So I've stood out for a long time. Wow. What what is that like having being that tall standing out? I don't. I can't. I can't. I, I've been this way since I was a sophomore in high school. So I don't know. Okay. It's just it's an everyday thing for me. People tell me I'm tall. I'm like well, I said. No, I've been. I've seen. I see me every day. You're playing under Felton Spencer that first year. Yeah, well, for a minute I started because yeah. he was hurt. So yeah, and I did. Uh, I did end up playing behind Felton later in the season. Yes. So. But Jerry Sloan is notoriously tough on rookies. Mm-hmm. Second year, he, he starts you. Traded, traded, trade, traded Felton trade away. Felton. Basically, gave me the job. They give you the job. Yeah. What does that mean to you to know that an organization is ready for you to take take over and be the starting center? I don't know that I ever thought about it that way. I just, uh, you know, when you come here, you don't know what to expect, and then you do, then you do start to play, and you you uh, you figure out your role. You know what your role. My role. I knew what my role was. Knew what they expected. So the next season, uh, in the off season, I did some extra 
working outs and, and getting ready for the season and uh, came in and in, in pretty good shape and was ready to go and, and, you know, fell into my role. I knew what I was, I was there for to, to rebound, block shots, take up space in the middle, get, you know, seven to seven to eight points and seven to eight rebounds because you knew Carl was going to carry the workload and it worked out for us. You know, I did my, I just had, I think, blocked two shots a game that year and, and it, uh, and had, you know, one of the best games of my career to go to in the very in the game against Houston to help us go to the finals. No, not 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 all May. You know, we, this team got to where it was because of the team we had, and everybody understood their role. Two block shots on Olajuwon in the last three minutes of that game. Was it really? I, yeah. I, know, I had five that game, so I, I know two in the last three minutes. That's great, Olajuwon. I know. All right, but everybody says this is Greg Ostertag's best game. What made it his best game? I think because you blocked a Hall of Famer shot in the last couple. Well, it's part of that, but I mean, just everything fell together, came together that day. I mean, I didn't miss a shot, I didn't miss a free throw. You know, 14 rebounds and five blocks in a game, in, in that in the that game, uh, and uh, but everybody contributed in this play, how they were supposed to contribute that night, uh, and we put ourselves in position because you know, the Houston was a very good team then, and they made. We would get up and they'd make a run and get up pretty good on us. And we fought back. We got down double digits, I believe. Yep. 12, right around 12. 12. And in that final was quarter. Was it second? Was it, in, was it in the final quarter? Final quarter. Okay. So, yeah, we got down 12 and fought back. And and, and it just, everything fell, to, you know, fell together that year. It just well, had the game of my life. One of the, you know, one of the best games I ever played for the Jazz. Uh, and, you know, my contribution help put us in a position it obviously didn't win it for us but our might put us in a position to win that game and then the shot obviously that will forever until something better comes along live in jazz infamy you know to put us to the finals for the first time so b russ had clutch shots he did huge shots he had two shots two three pointers in that last yeah. three minutes as well yeah. everybody uh, contributed that's it. like you got like you said everybody did bring something to the table in game seven and then dig Bavetta fouled me out <laughs> I forget about that. You had a great game and you fouled out. I did. I fouled out uh, late, late, late mm -hmm. in that game. Yeah. Where were you in the celebration? I was on the bench. I was on the yeah. very end and I was disappointed because I had fouled out. Mm -hmm. I didn't even see the shot go in because I had my head down because I was just, I was bummed because I'd fouled out. I wouldn't be able, I wasn't able to be in the game and be part of that. Uh, and then I heard everybody screaming. And when they finally took off, I took off. So that was about it. And I jumped, you know, like everybody jumped around, I had fun. So, were you like psychologically game seven? No, I, 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 I can't say yes just, or no. Uh, I just was, I just was that. upset because I fouled out of the game. Yeah, uh, I wanted to be there, I, you know, and being that, and being the game in that situation. And uh, I believe I may have had a towel over my head. I just wasn't paying attention to the game. I was, I was bombed. So, I've talked about this with Jeff. He thinks the 98 team is better than the 97 team. And he says it's because 97, glad to be there, oh, pretty big-eyed in the NBA Finals. 98, it was a mission. You guys worked together in your offseason. You, you knew that this was what you guys needed to do. We did, I, and I think if you watched, you know, we swept the Lakers that year in the, in the conference finals. And if you watched after we, after we won the game, their reaction was 180 degrees different from what it was the year before. We congratulated each other. We walked off the court and knew, you know, we were the best team in the league that year. So 
it was get to the finals or nothing or you or, you know so we 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 ended up uh, doing the job we needed to get to where we needed and then won game one and put ourselves in a position that we need to be in and blew it and lost game two so you know now it's an uphill fight because you're going on the road for three and got smashed in game three, I think, pretty bad, like by 40 points. It was really bad. 54 points, you guys. Was it 54? Yeah. Okay, I knew a lot. Um, and that was the game Jeff poked me in the eye in the, in the, in the, in the uh, warm-ups and knocked my contact out. Oh, no. And I almost missed introductions oh, because wow. of it. Uh, and, uh, the, uh, and then, of course, we lost game two, three, and four, and then won game five. And uh, Carl's big game, Carl's big game, and should have won game six. I just, you know, you look at that, and it's a lot of what ifs. Or, you know, we, we were robbed on a three pointer, actually, robbed on two three pointers the one they took away from shot Howard, clock. and the one that they gave to uh, that was after the shot clock. And then, you know, late, Carl, nine times out of ten, Carl doesn't lose that ball. He just knocks the ball away yeah. and puts it in position. So, uh, I, I, and I, I believe this still, uh, if we go to game seven, we win. I have no doubt in my mind. Well, Scotty's back was gone at that point. I don't uh, even yeah. know if he would have played a game seven. Oh, that I don't, I didn't, I don't even remember that talking about that. I just know, I just, I do believe, you know, and obviously we'll never know, but if we get to game seven, it's, it's yeah. a no brainer. I think we win that game, maybe going away. Yeah, because it's home court too. It's home court. Um, you know, everybody at the Jazz fan will say it was a push-off, but I've told people multiple times they're not going to call that foul on that guy in that situation. Yeah. Not, if that was earlier in the game, they may call that call. But in that situation, he's never getting that call call on him. And you can't. he made the shot. It was, you know, it was a good shot. It just it is what it is. We had our chance and we blew it. Played with two All-Famers in, in John Stockton, Carmelo, but this year – Andre Kirilenko was nominated to the Hall of Fame. Was he really? He was. I did not know that. I want you to educate people on how unique of a game that guy's had because you you kind of crossed eras in jazz basketball. I did. Seeing, I played with him for, what, three or four years? Yeah. Something like that. Not only John and Carl, but also the new version. And AK is nominated for the Hall of Fame. He, and, you know, the great thing about Andre, he was, he was everywhere. I mean, he could be on one side of the court near the sideline and block a shot in in all in the same play he was so athletic it was and fast and uh and he wasn't a great shooter when he came in but he got better but he was just everywhere you know he was one of the few guys that had what is it uh five by five the five is it five fives five by five five by five that's hard to do oh, almost yeah. almost and there's only like elijah one had a couple mm-hmm. he had five maybe i think it i think it's less than that Maybe three. I think so. Which is, that's impossible. I mean, I've. But to have the skill to do all, all yeah. five of those. I mean, I've had five rebounds, five blocks. Five turnovers. I don't know that I've had five turnovers. You haven't had the ball enough? No. I'm sure I've had five turnovers. But but I've had five points, rebounds, blocks. Five fouls? Uh, You've had five fouls before. Multiple times, yeah. I've had six multiple times. Um, but what? It, that's a pretty cool accomplishment to be able oh, yeah. to. To be a, that much of, and he was an athlete. He just, you can't. He was like I said, fast. He could jump. He could. 
he, he could guard just about anybody because he was so fast and he's so athletic. Um, and he gave you just a different aspect because you had to be aware of where he was at all times. And like I said, he blocked shots that you do when you think possible to block. And all of a sudden he's there blocking it. Well, I think he's unique too because of the European aspect. Mm -hmm. Coming from overseas, that wasn't necessarily a huge thing at the time. You had a little bit, but it's a bonus. There was a few guys it's coming. bonus. Yeah. You know, other guys, um, Drazen Petrovic. Kukoc. Kukoc. Petrovic. And I never played against Petrovic. He he, he died before I was in uh, Sarunas Marcellonis. Yeah, Marcellonis. Uh, but Petrovic, I think, died before, right before, maybe. I don't think I ever played against him. Well, and those guys also, I mean, just, you know, because I want to make the case for AK, they won medals for the Soviet Union. Uh -huh. But post when it was the Russian Federation, AK's the only guy to win a medal for Russia. And those guys were Lithuanians. I don't even know that. Yeah, so he he deserves. No, Andre, Andre, I think Andre is probably deserveable, deserving of it. He's a, he was a hell of a player. It's unique too. Like when you think about the history of basketball, how many Andre Karolinkos are there? There's not. Not many. Yeah. yeah. He he's unique in that. So I would I would I'd vote for him. You were also his teammate. Yeah, kind of biased. Biased. Yeah. Let me tell you about First Colony Mortgage. They've been serving the lending needs of Utah for more than 35 years. As a mortgage banker, First Colony Mortgage offers advantages over other lenders. Not only do they process mortgages, they also underwrite, fund, and close mortgage loans all in-house. Their expert team is ready to help you with your home financing needs. Just check them out. First Colony Mortgage, the official mortgage lender of the Utah Jazz. Because you, you have a ranch. You were telling people about your ranch. I do have a farm. I have a small, but I, they, well, mine is what they call a gentleman's farm. It's more just for the aesthetics, just to look at. I love I love having the animals. I don't have huge. I don't have a huge money for. I have six cows that run. Yeah, I have four cows and a bull. Five cows and a bull. Uh, uh, my wife's a little crazy, so somehow we end up fostering thirteen Clydesdales. Um. And then I have also have a. She's giving you a look. She knows she uh, she knows I'm she, she knows I'm right. That's why she's saying. Uh, we have a big giant. What's the red one? What is she? Belgian. A Belgian. She's huge. Uh, you know our biggest ones are the biggest ones we have are her and the Belgian uh, and the the big male, Clydesdale. Who then they weigh probably close to two thousand pounds. Um, I have the sports bar. Mm -hmm. uh, I have two camels, pet camels. Uh, emus, chickens, peacocks, dogs. Why? Why do you have? I, I've always wanted it. Okay. Since I can remember, I've always wanted a farm. Now, when I originally wanted a farm, I wanted big machinery, big fields of corn, and this and that and the other. But I still, I love my animals, every one of them. I give her a hard time about the horses, but I enjoy taking care of them. I really do. You're you're the one who's going out giving them the feed. Of course, it is. yeah. She's not doing it. She waves the flag so I can put the hay out. Uh, I, uh, like I said, have the sports bar. We're going to open another one. Uh, uh, I referee ba high school basketball. Mm -hmm. uh, Still playing hockey? I do. I play hockey once a week. Okay. I uh, played Sunday. Had two assists. 
<laughs> all over. It's all over the place, yeah. Uh, I have a 10-year-old little girl and I have a three-year-old grandson. So I'm a realtor. I have a real estate license, so I sell land down there. So our houses or whatever it is. You stay busy. I try. I stay busy because my wife has a bunch of animals. Somebody has to pay for the feed. I, I hunt and fish and, and that kind of stuff. So uh, I'm just looking for I'm, I'm now I'm about to, now I'm, Apparently, I'm about to start raising Clydesdales to sell. I, I don't know why that, that's wow. going to all of a sudden, yeah. So Whose decision was that? If you just look to your left just a tiny bit. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I Curse. give them shots. I give them their medicine. You do it all. I do. I wanted to be a vet when I was growing up. Did you actually? I, 100%. I went, so I got, that got out some, some time or another, and all of a sudden I was getting letters from all the vet, top vet schools in the nation. So, yes. But when I found out how too much schooling it took, I was like, I can't be a vet. <laughs> Turns out I was not a fan of school. But yeah, what do you need to do to be a vet? You've got to go to a lot of school. <laughs> is it like two years? Is it four years? Well, it's well, probably four years of undergrad and then another know. four years of o- overgrad and being. You're not a, doing that. No. I'll just learn it. No, we've got we've got a couple of vets we deal with, and one of them she says, "Okay, this is where you need to give them near where you need to do it." And I'll say, "All right, game on, let's go." Fred Flintstone tattoo. Fred is twenty, almost twenty-seven years old. Really? Yeah. No, he is 20. He'll be 28. Wow. And you just picked it out of the... I did. I walked in. I had no idea what I wanted. I flipped through it, and I saw him, and I said, there it is, because it looks like you've seen it. It looks like he's doing the finger roll layup. The ball wasn't there. I added the ball, but the Fred was like that. It looks like... I said, this is it. There it is. And now I've got a bunch. Why'd you add more tattoos? I just like them. Get okay. bored sometimes, so I can get a bunch of tattoos. Do they have meaning now, or is it like the Fred Flintstone? The only one that I regret, I, I, they all have meaning. The only, okay, good. The Fred was Fred, just my first one. So, right. Uh, the only one I that I regret is I have one on my hip over here. It's a big giant bear, and it's stupid. It's <laughs> all the rest of my tattoos have meaning except for this one right here. It's just it's a rose <laughs> with some playing. Swipe is not appreciating that. It's because it's we have the same tattoo. Yeah, we it's a it's 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 a tattoo of roses with three playing cards at uh, uh, two sevens and an ace, which stand for an eleven. That's when we met, seven seven eleven in okay. Vegas. So that's what it stands for. And I have uh, I have a bunch. My whole my whole this whole arm's covered all the way to it. Both of them. I was gonna say because when you were playing, you didn't have. You didn't I have Fred. I had Fred and the bear. Yeah. Fred was the only one that everybody that you saw. That you could see, yeah. Yeah. And then, and then I just, it's like eating a chocolate chip cookie. You can't just have one. So now I have a bunch. <laughs> what does it mean to you that they bring you back with guys who you really enjoy, like B. Russ, seeing what this organization has become? Uh, it means it means that I was, I was uh, uh, I did something to, that was important to them. And I don't mean that, but I was just a, a part of a, important part of an important era of this franchise um you know i said today were you there today i was um you know i I am three things i'm a panther what i grew up you know high school school i'm a jayhawk and i'm i don't tell you how i try to 100 ways to figure out how to say it but i'm a jazz jazz man i'm a jazz man and i will be till the day i die um you know i just i never blossomed into the player that i probably should have blossomed into 
to be able to have my name hung in the rafters, but that's okay. I was a part of history here, and and you know until until the until the franchise goes and wins a, an NBA title, I'm part of history, and and I hope they do in my lifetime. It would be it would it would be cool to see it, to be able to uh, uh, know that I was a part of a franchise that won a championship. People still wear the double zero. I see you know it what? in the Delta Somebody Center. sent me a picture. Amy. Yeah, Amy, uh, from a friend of ours in the town we live in uh, was in New Mexico at Angel Fire skiing, and there was on the slopes some guy had an Oshtag jersey on. It was nuts. So, yes, and I still get people, you know, older people who know from the air when I play who still know who I am, which is great. Uh, it's just, you know, there's times when you're like, oh. but most of the time it's cool just to, to have people who still know who you are. Um. Uh, and people ask me what was my favorite place to play other than the Delta Center. I said everywhere, because I always got booed, and they booed you. They if they're booing you, they're booing you for a reason. Mm -hmm. It's because you did something that they don't like or you hurt their team. So that means you were doing something right. So I did something right. People care about you. People appreciate you. People love you here in Utah. Oh, that's great because I love it here. If I didn't like Texas so much, I'd like to earlier today. I could live here. This is a great place. I just don't know where I'm. I have to find some land where I can put my camels and all the damn horses. And I bet there there's a place out out west. I can't go west. I will stay there in the, near the mountains. But yeah, Greg Ostertag on Roundball Roundup yeah. on UtahJazz.com. Greg, thank Appreciate you. Appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs>